Skynet defense system We're in. now activated. Past the firewalls, local defense nets, Minutemen and subs. Skynet fully operational, processing at 60 teraflops a second. What the hell is going on? Daddy! Hey, what are you doing here? friends today we're talking about inqtel the quote-unquote venture capital arm of the cia right what the heck is inqtel and why does the cia have a venture capital firm that's what we're going to be getting into today the spooks are going to silicon valley the spooks are putting on their quarter zip fleeces and they're heading to silicon valley and they're like what if we had an uber for drones it's not viable to invest in your own drone because how often are you really going to need that you have to look for drone parking you have to pay for that on a monthly basis instead use one of our uber drones and drone exactly. anyone you want at any time um we do surge price when we get busy but hey that's yeah. capitalism baby yeah you just want to really get the precise coordinates of right. your ex-boyfriend and then listen hey do you you think you may be the target of an Uber drone strike? Now introducing Uber Shield. Uber. <laughs> Put it over your home. Is your ex-girlfriend the little cuckoo nuts Cocoa Puffs? It's just not financially smart to build your own shield. Just use our shield when you get into fights with her. Yeah. And that way you only need it for when you need it. And when you're not using it, Others will use it. They really do not like being called the venture capital arm of the CIA. They're True. always like, actually, I listen to their own podcast, IQT. You can check it out. And I mean, it is the most boring podcast with corporate language, but they had like <laughs> listener questions and it was like clearly the FAQ that they want on their website. It's just like, are you actually the venture capital arm of the CIA? And they're like, actually, no, we work with different intelligence firms right. but apparently the fund is reviewed by the cia's inspector general and they report directly to the senate select committee on intelligence but they're like we work with other intelligence agencies they don't want to be the venture capital arm of the cia because nobody wants to be related to the cia because i mean they kind of have a bad rap what's the real difference between saying we are investing in firms whose technology advances the cia's mission needs and we're investing in technology that advances the mission needs of the entire intelligence community not just the cia who gives a fuck which agency yeah. is doing what it's still the united states federal government intelligence agencies and we all know that the cia runs the show even though technically speaking the cia like will answer to the director of national intelligence and mm -hmm. they also have oversight over the NSA, the FBI, everybody. It's like an open secret that the CIA runs the show, that they don't answer to any other agency, that they are the top. Yeah. And I mean, if we look at what the CIA is up to now, it's just like whenever the CIA in the news is in the news, it's, it's bad news. It's like they're being dragged to court to right. talk about the torture program. Um, I mean, most recently they're... Um, kind of cleaning up uh, a drone strike that went wrong in right. Afghanistan in 2021. Um, Havana syndrome, you know, where their workers were complaining about weird headaches that they were getting. Yeah. And 
the CIA's own internal um, review said that they were probably crickets. Yeah. The express mission of the CIA is we're advancing the national interest. And if that were the case, who gives a fuck? Let the CIA invest in technology that serves their mission needs. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. But we know that it's not really the national interests of the general public. The CIA serves multinational corporations' interests, corporate interests that have enough power to uh, get their interests represented in the federal government. So when we're overthrowing another country in a CIA coup, it's usually because there's corporate interests that stand to benefit from that overthrow. When our intelligence community censors information, either abroad or at home, it's not because they feel like that information is dangerous. It's usually because it's dangerous for corporate interests. Yeah. So I feel like we have to start to synonymize our federal agencies with the idea of corporate interests. At best, where it's government waste. At the very best. At yeah. the very best, you have, you know, people coming from Lockheed Martin to Inkutel selling um, you know, silly goggles that won't that won't uh do much and are gonna cost billions of dollars. And at worst, it's yeah, information manipulation that's um you know, toppling governments or core, uh, you know, um, convincing the population um, to do something politically not in our interest. Yeah. So there are a lot of ramifications for what we're talking about. It's very important. Yeah, and I'm surprised that in that podcast they were acting like they weren't because in all the literature and interviews that I've listened to, they're very open about this. They even say, we are investing in startups whose technology aligned with the CIA's needs. So Inkytel was, was stood up in 1999 uh, mm -hmm. uh, by the CIA who, who realized um, that, that technology was, was kind of, uh, innovation was shifting from government labs and, and large companies uh, to these small startups in Silicon Valley. And so uh, some really smart people uh, got together and, and figured out a way to, to uh, have have a platform that allows uh, uh, the government to have access to and leverage uh, and really benefit from all that innovation that was occurring. But instead of the motive just being solely profit, like most venture capital firms, this is a quote unquote strategic investment firm. So financial yeah. gain, sure, it's important, but it's really secondary. IQT exists to invest in tech that advances the mission needs of the US government. And like, if we make a little money on the side, so what? Yeah. But the main mission is to advance the needs yeah. of the Yeah, how are we gonna serve national security? And right. what they do is they basically shop around just like any venture capital firm would and identify startups right. and then fund those startups, throw money at them. Explain what venture capital funding is. So yeah, very briefly, I mean, probably the high profile cases of venture capital funding you've probably heard of, like Theranos, the fake blood tests, WeWork that just crashed, FTX that imploded. Um, those were all venture capital backed companies. The way it works is that these companies are not listed on public exchanges. They um, they can't be on the stock market because they're so new. They don't have any cash for debt. So they get these venture capitalists to um, to invest through private equity, which is much, much less transparent. 
And you can do a lot, you can throw a lot more money at a company that way. As of 2022, the US venture capital industry has a market size of $63 billion. And so the last couple of years, we've seen like some very small startups with, um, you know, almost just an idea on a napkin suddenly be worth $1 billion. Right. That really is the purpose of a venture capital firm. Like generally, if you start a business and do it, let's call it the traditional way, it's going to take you some time to turn a profit. It's going to be slow. It's going to be steady. Venture capital basically allows you to get into the carpool lane, the fast lane, right? You get a ton of money from a VC and they'll nurture your entrepreneurial idea yeah. or whatever. After they make a return on their investment, they exit out. Yeah, they exit out and then your company can go. But you get the benefit go. of having that like influx of cash right up top as exactly. opposed to waiting, you know, what could be decades to turn a profit. Exactly. And then later your company can go public and then you can get all kinds of investment as we'll see. So there was such an explosion of venture capitalists in Silicon Valley kind of shopping around for startups like which Stanford grad has the best napkin idea and you right. know has the best vibes a lot of I don't know a lot of other podcasts would call it like the vibes economy because they're not really going off of how practical an idea is they're really going by like the energy of the my venture capital firm and I saw you from across the bar and really liked your vibe and we'd like to give you uh, two billion and yeah, also wondering if you're into group sex. But anyways, we've seen such an explosion of venture capitalist funding that it turned around, whereas like venture capitalists were competing for startups rather than startups mm. kind of doing the shark take thing and pitching to investors. So you see in succession season one when Kendall comes in and he's like trying to fund this startup that's like the Amazon for local artists and he mm -hmm. comes in with these new sneakers and he's trying to impress them and he's just oh, right. really really cringe the women own business. and and the women are like yeah no not for us you know basically uh you buy a painting from uh, some art student in a basement jack up the price sell it to some Morgan Stanley sex pest and you me and the student all get rich right uh, so we've worked out a plan for the first year after the launch. I'm sorry. Can I just say something? Uh, so I, 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 I got these sneakers on the way down here because uh, I thought, I don't know what I thought. I thought you'd all be dressed like fucking Bjork. And uh, I wanted to uh, make an impression. Um, so I'm a jackass. Um, the truth is, I, I don't know anything about art. What I do know is how to monetize your concept and achieve the scale it deserves. Don't sell your soul to some monolith. We're boutique, we're light on our feet, we're not the gang of four, we're the fucking rebel alliance. I'm a good guy who knows the bad guys, I've got reach and I will fight for you every fucking day. I'm the asshole who can be your Warhol and uh, yeah, I just thought of that. So apparently I do know a little bit about art. So what? Talk to me. Talk to me. What do I need to do? Do I, do I need to take off my dopey sneakers? No. Yeah. I will. I, seriously, I'll throw them out the fucking window right now. <laughs> don't, don't. I'm, They're not I'm, I'm taking them off. <laughs> I'm taking them off. Here, come on, have them. They had the power, yeah, as the startup, yeah. Sure. Yeah, because a venture capital fund will take, you know, 25 to 50% of your company. They're going to really direct the direction of of where your investments will go, where your product development will go. So you, you don't want a, 
a bad investor. So now we're seeing it becoming a little more difficult for startups to sell themselves in Silicon Valley because of the crash of Theranos and FTX and Silicon Valley Bank. So you might have seen an article recently that was like, you can't fake it in Silicon Valley anymore. You have to have real deliverables. But there's still this market, especially for AI. People are throwing so much money around. The VC world is a very poignant flashpoint in like the general fakeness of the, of the economy. economy. Yeah. yeah. It's just Under like capitalism. Like it's it's all fake. It's all about projections of future profits and venture capital is like one of the most extreme ways that we see that happen where you could literally just have a PowerPoint and a nice, you know, beanbag set up in your offices and you could get a billion dollars for that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, it that's makes not to it- diminish the the, the effort it takes to make a good PowerPoint because I've, I've spent three or four hours on those transitions just like the rest of us. Uh, yeah, I um, know. But... When, when, with the, when those words spin around, you know I was right. up all night with Adderall. I, I, I love a baseline text entrance. That's just a little background before we get into InQtel to kind of explain the world of venture capitalism. Basically, you get a bunch of money because you have an idea. The money helps you enact the idea. And if it's successful, everyone gets money in the end. In an ideal world, the best idea wins. But in order to spend your time pursuing the goal of getting money from a VC, in order to spend most of your time doing that and not working, you have to kind of be independently wealthy or have some sort of starting point of money in order to invest all your time in that. Yeah, being Um, in the comedy world, it's kind of funny (laughs) because it's like when you're pitching in the Silicon Valley world, you're like, it's like, Uber meets an airplane, meets a helicopter or whatever. Uh-huh. But like in in the TV pitching world, it's like Euphoria meets uh, Seinfeld. And trying to like coast off the clout that existing brands have. Makes sense. So unlike most VCs, InQtel, like I said, is a strategic investment firm. So it's not just about the money. It's actually about quote unquote, national security, right? David Petraeus, while he was the director of the CIA in 2012, once said that the partnership that the CIA has with InQtel is, quote, essential to helping identify and deliver groundbreaking technologies with mission critical applications to the CIA and to our partner agencies. Also interesting about InQtel as a VC, employees and trustees of InQtel can actually profit from the investments that InQtel makes. And um, in 2016, the Wall Street Journal found that nearly half of InQtel's trustees had a financial connection with a company that the corporation was funding. Exactly. And so they're also looking at these companies to be commercially successful. So I guess that is a little bit of incentive to invest in companies that actually do make something in the end. But it's also a way for these individuals to profiteer over the decisions that they make at InQtel using government money. Right. But it's funny because unlike the rest of the VC world, you put in the money, but then you actually become the customer. So like InQtel will provide the venture capital funding for, I don't know, let's say the company, for example, is called Palantir. Just, oh. just, just, <laughs> just plug that out of my ass. 
Um, so they invest in Palantir as a company from a VC perspective. They're giving seed funding, whatever. They get out as an investor. But then the CIA also becomes Palantir's client and is the reason that Palantir is successful. So in the rest of the VC world, as fake as it is, at least you have to have other customers for the startups. Let's say you have a startup called Sure. Mm -hmm microphones a venture capital fund gives you money then you have to find podcasters or musicians or whoever to buy your product in order to turn a profit but in the case of inqtel the cia actually becomes the customer and is the reason that a company can be successful so it's like it's like the worst of both worlds right because you're getting this taxpayer money to fund these private companies but the taxpayer is not benefiting so the cia like is the venture capital firm but then it's also the customer yeah. You have a lot of startups pitching to InQtel, but you also have InQtel approaching startups, which may be kind of threatening in some kind of way. Like if you have something that's sensitive to national security, we don't want you to, to sell it to China. Mm. I mean, there's not a whole lot of transparency about this process. There's a whole lot that is transparent and then we know which companies that they are funding. They yeah. do show their portfolio online, but- as mentioned, like it's possible that there are more companies that we don't know about, but go ahead. Yeah, but it goes back to uh, 1951 law, the Invention Secrecy Act. Mm. So basically, if the US government gets wind of something that you're building in your garage that could be used to uh, drop little bombs, you know, you're training pigeons or whatever, mm -hmm. that patent is belongs to the government now and they they have a like a kind of pay scale how sensitive it is to national security if it's a 10 you get this many million dollars yeah. if it's a one we'll give you five dollars for it so um and these startups once they sign with inqtel they have to sign a state secret contract mm. and if they breach that contract, it's like a 20-year prison sentence. It's very serious for these startups to get involved. So right. InQtel can kind of scare startups into submission into some in some ways. Right. The CIA approaches you and is like, we love what you're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, how did you even know what I was doing? I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even public about it. So yeah, should we talk a little bit about... Um, the origins? Yeah, the origins. Let's start with the name. InQtel... And you'll see that they get an inspiration from a lot of different movies, but Q is from the James Bond movie. Q was the head of research and development at the fictional Q branch of the MI6 or the British version of the CIA, and he oversees top secret field technologies. So the in other words, for ladies, those gadgets and gizmos. So he would be the guy in the movie who comes with the shoe phone is like, no, you idiot. The receiver is the heel, you know, a supplier of technology who also calls him an idiot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not always, but he doesn't always call him and speak down to him. Maybe I'm thinking of Get Smart more. So armed with this nerdy movie reference name, the CIA launched in QTEL in 1999 at the peak of the dot-com boom. This started as an idea by then CIA director George Tenet. Uh, George Tenet is the second longest serving director of the agency right behind Alan Dulles, probably the most influential single you know, mm -hmm. American 
political figure. Oh, um, yeah, Dulles. We love Dulles. You know, the guy who, um, you know, sheltered Nazis after World War II, may have orchestrated the Kennedy assassination. Right. And uh, that lovely figure and uh, the Bay of Pigs is his uh, brainchild. So. Okay, so CIA Director George Tenet. Hero. Probably most known for his role in the CIA's torture program, which yeah. was very uncontroversial. And now he's like, how can we get AI right. to <laughs> yeah. torture? Exactly. Like, how can we um, use technology to torture people when they, when Yeah, when people try to get AI to write stand-up comedy, that's torture for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, like, CIA torture program, we should mention, like, not only was it, you know, in contravention of international law and, you know, brutal and morally wrong and all that, it was also literally ineffective. Yeah. So even if you're, like, the biggest war hawk or, like, national security state supporter or whatever, like... Yeah, all the information they got from um, people captured, the FBI got it all just, you know, conversing with the people as soon as they were caught and being like, hey, Habibi, what's up? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just talking nicely to them. And that is the... Uh, that's the way that interrogation works the best if you're if you're making the person comfortable and believing otherwise you'll get false intelligence if people if somebody put a gun to my head and they're like where's dino i'd be yeah. like oh uh, yeah. uh, i don't even know a dino but i'd be like oh the He's around yeah, the block. Like you could have asked like any sixth grader with experience like lying to their mom and they would have told you that a mm -mm. torture program like this would give you not reliable intel. Yeah, but, but they got basically two like military psychologists to yeah. design the program. Great. <laughs> and just out of a hat. So anyway, what, what better use for the guy who authorized that than to um, come up with this idea of having the CIA uh, seed tech companies. I'm going to read from one of Nafiz Ahmed's article now where he talks about some of the origins of InQtel. So he says in 1999, CIA created its own venture capital firm, InQtel, to fund promising startups that might create technologies useful for intelligence agencies. But the inspiration for InQtel came earlier when the Pentagon set up its own private sector outfit mm. known as Highlands Forum. Sounds so sexy, right? It kind of does, yeah. This private network has operated a bridge between the Pentagon and powerful American elites outside the military since the mid-90s. Yeah, and I think this is part of uh, IQT's mission. I'm going to be using IQT. You are IQT. <laughs> In QTEL and Highlands Forum, they do have kind of an operation where they're uh, making these mixer events where military officials and, and Silicon Valley types can kind of mix. And yeah, The Intercept has been like trying to get into those meetings here and there. Yeah. And they're like, they denied us again. <laughs> but sorry, go on, Highlands Forum. Despite changes in civilian administrations, the network around the Highlands Forum has become increasingly successful in dominating U.S. defense policy. Giant defense contractors like Booz Allen Hamilton and Science Applications International Corporation are sometimes referred to as the shadow intelligence community due to the revolving doors between them and the government and their capacity to simultaneously influence and profit from defense policy. So yeah, side note, like the shadow government, shadow intelligence community, deep state, all this stuff, um, security state, um, steady state, like all these terms are basically referenced to the idea that like, you know, as... Democrat, Republican administrations, these these people, they come and go, but who stays there the whole time? 
the defense military intelligence apparatus, the revolving door between these companies and the government, Mm -hmm. um, the leadership of these companies and the leadership of the agencies that contract these companies. And one of the founders of InQtel is uh, former Lockheed Martin CEO, right? That's right. Um, That is Norm Augustine, former CEO of Lockheed Martin. He co-founded InQtel with Gilman Louie. But it's not like these two people just like getting together like any other startup and deciding to start a venture capital fund, like the CIA launched this, right? The Highlands Forum has for 20 years provided an off-record space for some of the most prominent members of the shadow intelligence community to convene with senior U.S. government officials alongside other leaders in relevant industries. Currently, InQtel um, company leadership is pretty much what you'd expect. Like the executive team has people hailing from Lockheed Martin, Harvard Kennedy School, IBM, the U.S. Air Force and the Board of Trustees, who, um, because InQtel is a nonprofit, the Board of Trustees like are the main decision makers. The Board of Trustees, led by Michael Crow, he's been there since the beginning, since 1999. George Tenet apparently personally asked him. In my opinion, he looks like Michael Pompeo, but mm. I'll leave that for the viewer to decide. Um, then you also have um, Safra Katz, who's the former CEO and CFO of Oracle. Um, who you'll remember from our last episode, uh, Safra Katz, also current director at the Walt Disney Corporation. And there's several other board members, but obviously the most interesting one, the most important one is George Tennant, who does still have a seat on the board, known for authorizing the brutal and ineffective CIA torture program. Yeah. And one of those like early goals of uh, InQtel and the Pentagon's involvement with the Highlands Forum was this idea of Skynet. Like, Mm. it's the villain in Terminator. It's crazy that they would pick the villain. You know, like, I respect Q. I salute Q, but Skynet, I will not bend a knee. I would always get comments, like, whenever I would talk about surveillance, all the comments would be like, this is Skynet. And I, Mm. like, never really understood what that meant. But now I get that it's a movie reference. It's a person? It's a supercomputer. Okay. It's like basically what you'd imagine to be the most developed stage of AI. Basically a supercomputer that is conscious Mm. and has a robot army and is trying to destroy the human race. So Yeah, it's like self-fulfilling prophecy vibes. Like for years and years, I feel like popular media has depicted this kind of like dystopian surveillance state. And now it's like, oh, it's inevitable. <laughs> you guys, you know? great idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the whole predictive programming school of thought where people say that like, okay, well, if you look at who's uh, financially backing a lot of these TV shows and movies. Yeah, the CIA is trying to get in, involved in the creative process. They're like, once we create the screenplay for this, we can create it in a lab. Well, remember when we talked about Oracle and we talked about how the Oracle like family trust has these two big production companies, um, one quote unquote run by the son and one quote unquote run by the daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and between the two of them, you had like virtually every... You had Mission Impossible, you had Star Trek, Top Gun, Terminator, Jack Ryan, World War Z, Gemini Man, Transformers, Zero Dark Thirty, Vice. All Mm -hmm. these movies talk about defense or intelligence, you know? And so they're just creating this, like, very 
visual blueprint of what they want to do kind of and also just like uh how they want to be seen like i actually haven't seen any of these movies but i know like the we will the have main to watch criticism them. of like zero dark 30 is that it's it's like shows the cia in a positive light or like what people talked about jack ryan which is that show with the guy from the office um i think that also depicts the cia in a positive light and quote-unquote enemy states of the u.s in a negative light like exactly how the cia wants us to see them let's talk a little bit about iqt's portfolio let's talk a bit about some of the technologies that inqtel has supported and what their applications are so some of them would be what you'd expect it's technology that um the intelligence community can use the cia can use so mm-hmm. anything from like standard software to satellite technology for them to get imaging across the globe. So so some of it is what you'd expect. So like satellite stuff. There was a social media company, right? They're investing in firms that mine tweets and Instagram photos, all kinds of data mining they're going to be interested in. And those tools are uh, data miner, geophedia, pathar, transvoyant. All of these are trying to get a picture of individuals that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of um, data firms already have. And there's also like maybe a secret Facebook that where you go to your own profile and there's all the information possible about you as an individual and only the government Mm. people can access it. Yeah, yeah. It would be similar to Facebook in that like you have a profile, but... Yeah, not connected to Facebook. Um, but yeah, The Intercept did a, well, actually Lee Fong, we should say at The Intercept because he's really the only good Intercept reporter they have anymore. Okay, um, shots fired. But praise fired towards him specifically. Yeah. <laughs> but he did an investigation for The Intercept called The CIA is Investing in Firms that Mine Your Tweets and Instagram Photos. He found that among 38 previously undisclosed companies receiving CIA venture capital funding, several are developing tools to mine social media. And this is kind of what you'd expect the CIA to be doing, right? Yeah. But it's interesting that they're doing it by seeding other private technology companies as opposed to developing that technology in the CIA itself. Again, this is a theme. I'm always going to be saying this because this is the deal with fascism. But This is the deal with having the private and public sectors intertwine in this way. And I'm going to always say this when it comes up. But like, it's the worst of both worlds. It's the worst of the public sector in that you have the technology being developed to further an imperialist agenda or whatever. Let's say you love the CIA and you, you know, support, you know, Western hegemony or whatever. It without a doubt is furthering the CIA's agenda, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that, but then it's also private in that it's not accountable to anyone. This company, like these data mining companies, it's not technically the government, right? Even though it's getting our taxpayer money. So it's not transparent to anyone, but it's investors. It's not transparent yeah. to the US taxpayers who are effectively funding these companies. Yeah, I mean, the question comes up, like, why not just develop these technologies in-house in yeah. the government? It's, it's an issue of transparency. You're going to be able to get get away with much more stuff when you're mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, this is, this is a private algorithm that we can't share with you and we can't tell you how 
we're collecting all of your location data and putting it in this one place like right. and you know the government can use that to crack down on protesters and while they might be saying oh we're mining social media for isis messages like right. like um you know the few the few public accounts that isis has they don't need to mine social media to find out what isis is doing they could just go across the hall yeah they could just go across the hall and say hey did you tweet anything today yeah and they have isis infiltrated and I mean, ISIS is done. ISIS, ISIS served its purpose. It destabilized Syria. Actually, Nafiz Ahmed, the same journalist yeah. we were talking about earlier, did a lot of good work on Syria. And he Ooh, was nice. He uh, brought to light some documents that showed that the U.S. was working against a democratic Syria because they were yeah, more no focused on quagmire. You might have heard yeah. like Pentagon backed rebels are fighting um, CIA backed, backed rebels, rebels yeah. in Syria. And you, that might have been a whoopsie daisy, but also no. it worked for us because yeah. we're just like, yeah, we just want to throw more weapons at it and create a mess. Yeah, it's only a whoopsie daisy if you start at the starting point of they are just trying to be, bring peace to the region. But that's not what it is. We had oil interests there. We had geopolitical interests there. It was never about, you know, stopping terrorism, which is a shitty and fake word that was created to further our imperialist agenda. But anyway, like most intelligence agency reasoning, it's always about national security, right? Where it's like, oh, we have to protect our people. We're under attack and other countries are developing this technology. So that's why we need to. And you see that with the example of the holograms that this, that mm -hmm. Intel invested in recently. Yeah, Brooklyn based. Brooklyn based, it's on the water. I've never been, but I did follow them on Instagram and I might have to unfollow them now that I know that the, that InQtel provided some capital. Looking yeah. Glass basically uh, takes a portrait and makes it 3D like a hologram. And uh, InQtel is interested in this because they are working towards a whole metaverse experience to train military with. They're investing heavily in VR goggles that will use holograms. Mm. So yeah, they, they took this little artistic shop looking glass factory and just poured a couple million dollars into it. They also uh, invested in immersive wi wisdom, which is connecting to a virtual space, video feeds, real-time data. But what is the difference between that and just video games as they exist right now? But they're trying to they're trying to get real-time data, I guess, of an environment. So somehow make satellite data real-time data within a virtual space. InQtel is interested in get developing goggles that would help soldiers identify enemy combatants mm. and friendly combatants. But the main problem is that when they put these VR goggles on is they're more confused. So it mm. might even be more dangerous on the battlefield to have these VR goggles. It sounds like what they really want is a telescope. Mm. But I don't know how much or of binoculars? it is really about the battlefield. Like, I think it's more about propaganda. So Looking Glass received $2.5 million from InQtel. Um, and now the CIA and the DOD um, have become customers of Looking Glass Factory, which is this hologram company in Brooklyn. Um, so there's the battlefield aspect of it, which makes sense from the DOD. But then there's also the propaganda aspect of it, which makes more sense from the CIA. 
And if you look at some of what InQtel says about its investments in holograms, they say it's because we need to make sure other countries can't manipulate holograms and 3D technology to satisfy their propaganda machinations. Mm, right? We need to we need to bring Dulles back as a yeah. prop <laughs> as propaganda and explain to people why the Cold War was a good thing. So here's what InQtel says about hologram technology. Quote, events recorded in 3D could be manipulated to satisfy future propaganda and political machinations. To tell our stories in 3D effectively, we must immediately start building technology stacks that limit their misuse. Just as we are beginning to wage tech wars to handle the threats of video deepfakes, we need to begin to apply the same standards, concerns, and care to the wild frontier of 3D data that lies ahead. We're going to need to be able to tell facts and fiction apart. So they're saying we need to invest in this so that we can make sure it's not being misused yeah. because the CIA would never misuse it themselves. Um, but do of you know about Project Bluebeam? Have you heard about this? No, go on. So Blue Project Bluebeam Blue is one of my favorite conspiracy theories. It's a conspiracy theory which claims that NASA is attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist as its head and to start a new world order via technologically simulated second coming of Jesus Christ. All right, Jesus came back. Everybody can just chill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and by the way, he said that you like, you kind of got to listen to us. Yeah. Side note. I guess Um, if they have like another Waco situation, they could be like, David Koresh is not Jesus. I mean, it just wouldn't work today because we all know what holograms are but if if like a couple hundred years ago you know a hologram in the sky appeared and it was jesus coming back like i bet half of the people on earth would be like all right yeah period like the jews would give up they would be like yeah you guys were right all right we'll give it to you never give up they would find a way to rationalize it like they have rationalizations for everything like for dinosaurs they were like they were put there as a test yeah to test our (laughs) test our faith to test our loyalty um, to the Old Testament. Yeah. They were like, here's some bones. Yeah. Well, because fuck with the Jews you. don't believe in the Big Bang and they don't believe in dinosaurs. Well, they anybody who's religious. Oh, there's no evidence of, of Jews being enslaved in the Egypt. That is also a test. Yeah. And you're failing right now. Stop yeah, digging. Stop, di- stop looking. Well, that's, I think, low-key my conspiracy theory is, I mentioned this on an earlier app, but um, Jews are like not supposed to go back to Egypt because we were slaves there. But my theory is they don't want Jews to get into archaeology and to be like, yeah. what the fuck? Hold yeah. on, I gotta start questioning everything now. Yeah, um, they don't want them there. They don't want them to realize that it probably is bullshit. Like like Larry Ellison, I have a lot of respect to my friends who believe in the Bible stories. We salute. Um, we salute to you, um, to my mom and dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so that's the hologram. So the InQtel. They're investing in satellites, computer technology, social media, data mining companies. We also oh, yeah, got a company. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, with the hologram. Yeah. So in the IQ2 quarterly, the, the purpose of investing in holograms, they, they clearly state, a perfect simulated reality that is indistinguishable from real life will ultimately take one of two forms. It will either manipulate real light and real matter like the Star Trek holodeck, Mm. or it will remove the middleman of wearable VR inputs and instead directly manipulate our perceptions through a machine brain interface like that is envisioned in the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, they have two movies that they're working with. I think what we're learning is that this world is run by nerds. Yeah. (laughs) 
Between those perfect simulations and the current state of the art, we envision the emergence of hybrids such as the manipulation of real light holograms combined with haptic gloves or the direct manipulation of the brain's sense of touch combined with VR, AR contact lenses. So they want this simulated reality or this machine brain interface because the Matrix and Star Trek told them to. So we've got satellites, social media, holograms. And then we also got a company, um, an Australian company actually, called Cortical Labs. Oh man, okay. Just reading this headline will make your skin crawl. Tell us. Cortical Labs raises $10 million for its Pong-playing stem cells that could eventually power AI. And the website says, human neural networks raised in a simulation. Yeah, so (laughs) it takes like organic matter, human neurons, and tries to manipulate them with synthetic biology and creates organoid intelligence. My stomach just turned. Yeah, so they're combining like synthetic biology and human neurons to create this organoid intelligence, which is like, I guess... They're claiming it's like a class of AI. I really think they're probably far from what they're- Oh, they need way more money. (laughs) They need way more money to do anything, but they can get a stem cell to play Pong, which is just a video. It's not playing ping pong. It's playing a video game. Yeah. And like, if you look at their website, there's really not a lot going on. Um, I guess they need even more money to to start uh, building out the website. But they're saying, um, this was in 2020, they say, all this year and most of 2019 here at Cortical Labs, we've been in stealth mode, working very intensely to develop prototypes and demonstrate the value of our tech. In other words, we have nothing to show for anything yet, but don't worry, it's definitely coming. So it is scary, but we won't see Petri dish brains for a little while, I hope. Well, it's interesting that the CIA is investing in stuff like this. And as a side note, like if you look at InQtel's website, um, they're investing a ton in biotechnology companies. And this kind of um, makes sense because the new era of technology is really about bridging the digital and physical spheres, bridging your physical body with your digital technology, like wearable technology, goggles that put you in the metaverse, like everything Mm. becoming digitized. Or so we can be connected to Skynet and serve some supercomputer. Okay, so we're not gonna go through InQtel's entire portfolio, but we will if we get 100 patrons. But yeah, here are the types of companies that InQtel has invested in so far. So there's AI, there's ARVR, which is augmented reality, virtual reality, mm-hmm. um, robotics, biotechnology, communications, makes sense for the CIA, mm-hmm. um, microelectronics, materials and manufacturing. So that also makes sense because the CIA needs that too. Power and energy, sensors, space, and then trusted infrastructure. And trusted infrastructure, yeah. um, I guess, is their way of saying critical infrastructure. Other space companies, InQtel, invested in great names, Clear Space, Constellar, Morpheus Space, Stoke Space, Transcelestial, Heo Robotics, Fleet Space, OneNav, Capilla Space, Morpheus Space, Swarm Mm -hmm. Technologies, Orbital Insight, 
and gather technology. Well, if so I were to approach heavy into space, if I were to approach NQTEL with a pitch, I'd be like, "Here's red pill, blue pill," yeah. <laughs> you know, like something completely like, drag oh God, Morpheus. It. They're like, "We love it. We've been thinking about this ourselves. How do we recreate Morpheus?" Another funny company that InQtel put up some money for is Skin Sentiel, a skin company um, that used to go by the name of Clearista. But the product is also Clearista now, and it's basically a um, you know three-step moisturizer that also exfoliates and gives you a glowing look, but also can hand your DNA <laughs> to the Central Intelligence Agency. So it's like, get ready with me. Hey, guys, get ready with me. And then like the feds knock down the door. <laughs> we wanted to create a skincare line that was based on proven science and completely different from any resurfacing products out there. We combined the predictability of science and the luxury of the med spa to give you an at-home solution unlike any other. Now, for the first time, our internationally patented formula, developed by scientists from MIT and UC Santa Barbara, is available to help you feel confident in your skin. So as reported by The Intercept, InQtel has an interest in developing genetic analysis. This is called physiological intelligence, which in a 2010 article, InQtel described as, quote, actionable information about human identity and experience that have always been of interest to intelligence communities. This article, according to The Intercept, is no longer available on InQtel's website but you can still read it like thanks to the internet archive. And here's a quote. The DNA contained in microorganisms in a person's gut or in a person's skin may contain sequences that indicate a particular geographical origin. So it kind of makes sense that um, the CIA is interested in technology like this. Obviously, they don't care if your skin's clear or not. But what they do care about <laughs> Maybe they do. is data collection, right? How to make Americans more beautiful. So How to make Russians beat. ugly. <laughs> yeah. We can beat China on acne. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, all this biotech is kind of interesting. And don't worry. It is not the only uh, biotech company that the CIA invests in. We also have Lincolnvax. We also have something called Quantorix something called Opgen, something called Arxis, not to be confused with Arcteryx, uh, Fluidigym, Seahawk, uh, and, and we, Metabiota, which if you know, you know. We're not going to get into that company today. Another company that the, not the venture arm of the CIA fund is the is Colossal Biosciences, which may sound familiar. They are involved in de-extinction, so mm. mapping extinct genomes. And they're trying to bring back the woolly mammoth. And oh uh, it may remind you of another movie that we're discussing, Jurassic Park. You know, I was thinking maybe they could partner with SpaceX and they can, like, de-extinct all the endangered species that Elon Musk's <laughs> shuttles are making extinct. That's funny. That might work hand in hand. And that's all I got for startups. All right, so that's a little taste of InQtel's portfolio. You can see that the technologies that the fund supports has a large range. We're gonna be talking more about InQtel in our next episode where we dive into InQtel's role in a company we all know and love. Google.
No fucking way. Google, unfortunately. Google and InQtel. I know, what a shocker that one of the biggest companies on earth has a relationship with the United States intelligence agencies. We're gonna be talking about Google and InQtel's relationship in part two of this episode on InQtel, the CIA's venture capital. See you next time. Bye-bye.